Today we are in part two and what we're looking at is abiding in. Although we're gonna have to change it a little bit today because the text, um, the new translations don't say, because nobody uses abide, right? right? You don't ever say to somebody, would you like to abide with me? You never say that, right? That never has come out of your mouth. You say, oh, would you remain with me? Would you stay, which is what abide means. And so we're going to be looking at what it looks like to remain in Jesus. But let me tell you the story. So uh, I was, I don't know, I was in the seventh grade. I don't remember how old I was because I frequented the seventh grade more than once. The reason I frequented the seventh grade more than once is because I refused to go to school. It was a very tough, wrong road to go down. Those of you who are young, do not follow that example. It's a terrible example to follow. But what I decided to do was stop going to school. And I did that with no one's permission. And so eventually, I was quite good at catching the truant officer letters. Anybody remember the little yellow truant officer letters? And so, so <laughs> too many of you identified with that. That was funny to me. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course, you're kidding me. You used to come to my house all the time. Well, they came to my house and they came and I didn't catch this one. And it was a big one. It was like, your son hasn't been in school for like 80 something days. It was like ridiculous, right? Like a whole season, like a whole semester or two semesters. I hadn't been in school. So I was walking up the stairs in uh, the house that we lived in and I could hear my brother. My brother was like a father figure. When my father left, my brother took our, and I wonder if any of you had an experience like that. My older brother became like sort of like the man of the house. And so he was the one who like dished out disciplinary actions and all that stuff. Well, my brother was screaming about what he was going to do to me when I got home. And my mother was saying, no, Junito, calm. You know, she was trying to calm him down. No, calm down, calm down. He was like, calm down. He hasn't been to school in months and all that stuff. Well, I decided to leave and, and decided that I was going to be a roadie in a circus, okay? I was going to like, what, I'm going to be a carny, I'm going to be like whatever it is, but I'm never going back there. Well, that didn't work out. So a few hours later, I had with no money and no friends, because I tried to convince my best friend to come with me, and he was like, Ed. What are we gonna do? Because I literally tried to convince him to go to California because that was the farthest place I could think of from Brooklyn, New York. And so I had to face the music. Crazy twist of events. That few hours, God did a miracle in my brother's heart, a miracle. I came and my brother was like not known for tenderness at all. And he sat me down and he told me, he goes, Edwin, what are you doing? You're smarter than this. You're better than this. And he spent like two hours encouraging me and pouring into me like no one had ever done up to that point. It changed me. I started to go to school. I started to listen to the teacher. I started to come back. And I did that for two weeks. <laughs> And then I went back to doing what I always had done. The pull of the friends and the drugs and all that other stuff was just too great. And I went back and relapsed and found myself in the same place that I had always been. I wonder if anybody else is like me who 
Have you ever tried to change something that you knew was wrong? Change something that you knew wasn't right about what you were doing. But and then for all your trying, you just failed at it. Anybody here like me? Have you ever done that? All right, two or three of you, sure, sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe you decided, I'm going to treat my wife with tenderness and patience. And that lasted all of an afternoon, and then you relapsed back. Or maybe your story is that, you know what? I'm coming to the Next Step Community Church. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop using. I'm going to stop putting that chemical in my body that has been hurting me and been hurting me for a while. I'm going to stop. And you got one day, and you got two days, and you got five days, and then, then you relapse. Or, or maybe your story is like, you know what? Now that I'm coming to church, I think I want to be healthy. And so you said, I'm going to stop with eating poorly and unhealthy or smoking cigarettes or whatever it was in your health. And you did it and you were changed and God was doing something great. And then you just went back. All of us have experiences like that. God knows that every one of us will experience moments if we're alive to our own personalities and our lifestyles at all. God knows that we are going to want to change for the better. And he also knows that we don't have the willpower to do it on a permanent basis. So Jesus comes in and he says something about change. He says something about being transformed that is absolutely revolutionary. So I want you to listen up to today's message because for whatever motivation you're here today, let me tell you why God brought you here. There are things in your life that you absolutely need to change. And if you don't know, just ask the people around you that love you. And if you don't trust those people, then you have more of a problem than you think. God brought you here because there needs to be a transformation. And it can't be done by willpower. And it can't be done by just willing it and trying harder and doing better. It's something different. So you need today's scripture. You need today's message. Because if you don't apply this, this is going to really negatively affect your relationships with your spouse, your parents, your kids. It's really going to affect the quality of life that you want to live because nobody wants to get older and say, you know what I want to be? I want to be the bitter old man that I saw growing up. Nobody ever says that, but we get there, don't we? And we get there because there's no transformation. There's no change in our hearts. Nobody ever wants to be the, nobody ever wants to be the thing that you don't want to be. So beloved, Jesus goes, I got an idea, I have a way that you can be transformed, and it's not, the fuel that fuels you is not willpower, it's something utterly different. So, Jesus, in his, in John, there's this thing called like this final discourse where Jesus is giving instructions before he gets crucified. He's telling his disciples, this is like the most important things that you need to know, and he's instructing them how to do life after he's gone and he's telling them you gotta listen to me because if you don't listen to me it won't go well for you 
And so we find Jesus speaking to them in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. And he gives them, he gives them the secret of life transformation. The one, the life transformation that you need. The life transformation that if you don't think you need, the people around you think you need. That kind of life transformation. That kind of heart motivation or heart revolution. It's found in John 15, verses 1 through 12. Would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? We stand at the reading of God's word because we want to remind our bodies that God, God's words are more important than our words. And so, if you can, if you're able, go ahead and stand with me. And I'll read this to you. We'll read the last uh, part together, in, starting in verse 9. Uh, we'll read that together, but let me read this part to you. Jesus says this, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that he will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. I wonder if you caught it. Jesus said it over and over and over. He says this. He says this. Remain in me. Remain in me. That's the secret to his transforming your heart. Remain in me. It won't be done by your willpower. It won't be done by sticks, that is punishments, or carrots, that is um, uh, benefits. It'll only be done by remaining in him. He says, remain in me. And so some of us may ask, what on earth does remaining in Christ mean? Briefly, it means this, to believe, trust, rest, obey, 
and enjoy Jesus. By the way, if you're here and you're new, we have what's called like a sermon map inside of your bulletin. And it's a way that you can track along with what's being said. Because the fact is, is that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. And so if you write it down, it'll be helpful that you can go back to it and meditate on the scripture with a little bit of a guide in your hand. So what does it mean to remain in Christ? It means to believe. It means to trust. It means to rest. It means to obey. It means to enjoy Jesus. At least that. That we can put our lives in his hands, recognizing that Jesus has a better idea of our life than we do. That Jesus has a better future for us than we can imagine. That Jesus is better. We can believe in him. We can trust in him. We can rest in him. We can obey in him. We can enjoy Jesus. That's what it means to remain in Christ. And the stakes are high. The stakes are high. The reason that remaining in him is so important because remaining in him is the proof that you were in him at all. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying here? Like, in other words, those who don't remain in Jesus, they prove to themselves and to the rest that they were never in Jesus. That remaining in Jesus is proof that you are one of his. I'm not saying that we don't struggle, that we don't have difficulty, that we don't relapse at times. But we pursue, remain in, eventually grow in Jesus. Because that's what he promises to do in our lives. Remain in Jesus, remain in me. The stakes are high because not only do we prove, but also there's this thing going on. There's this thing going on with those who don't remain in Jesus. They get cut out because they're fruitless. Now, whenever the Bible talks about fruit, like bearing fruit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, bear much fruit, Whenever it's talking about that, 100% of the time, it's character, whether good or bad. It's character. For instance, like um, you'll say, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's talking about issues of character. Bearing bad fruit speaks about the opposite. But when it comes to the scriptures, when the Bible talks about fruit, it's talking about your character. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to bear a character that looks like me in the future, that more and more resembles Christ, then he's saying, if you're going to bear that fruit, then you're going to have to remain in me. So the question then becomes, how can we grow in remaining in Jesus. How can we grow in remaining in Jesus? We got four things we're going to talk about remaining in Jesus. You're going to have to, and I'm going to go over these in a little bit more detail, but very quickly, you're going to have to, if you want to remain in Jesus, you're going to have to be willing to go under the knife, live in his love, keep his commands, and gather with his people. That's what, we're going to take that right out of the text. 
You're gonna, if you want to remain in Christ, if your heart wants to, if you want to see your heart transformed, if you want to be better than you were before, if you want to see real gospel transformation in your life and not just willpower where you're trying, trying, trying and you're turning over a new leaf. No, no, no. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to turn it over to your Savior. There needs to be a radical transformation that takes place in your life. And if that's going to happen, we're going to need to go under the knife, live in his love, keep his commands and gather with his people. Let's start. Are you ready? Let's do it. Go under the knife. You see that in verse 2? In verse 2 he says, He that is the Father. Right? Jesus says, I'm divine. So here's, right? So when we're talking about God, we're talking about the triunity of God. Right? So we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's one God, three persons in one. It's like a mystery. Right now, we're not going to go into deep explanation of it, number one, because I don't think I can, and number two, because that's not where we're going. Right now, we're talking about the byproduct of living in the triune God. What does it look like to live in, follow, trust in Jesus? Got it? And so he says, he, that is the Father, Jesus is the true vine. He says the true vine because... it. Israel in the Old Testament was seen as the vine and Jesus is going no 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 the people of God that were supposed to obey God and be a picture of God to the whole community the religious folks you know the people who come to church on Sunday they aren't a very good picture of what God is like and so what Jesus says I'm the true vine I'm the one who obeys the father I'm the one who sacrifices his life I'm the one who tells others about the father he is the true vine the one that you could find real rest in the one that you could get real nourishment from he's the true vine how can we grow and remain we can go under the knife watch he cuts the father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful so do you understand how you prove yourself in other words, the Father doesn't come and cut off branches that are trying to bear fruit or looking to bear fruit. It's the ones that are bearing no fruit, the ones that are proving themselves. Proving themselves not to want anything to do with Jesus. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, here's why, here's why you're not emotionally moved. You don't understand what that means. That means that God is going to have to cut out things in your life that you really like. I mean, stuff that you think you can't live without. That God is going to have to snip, snip, snip at issues and parts of your life that you really, really want to hold on to you got to be willing to go under the knife. It's a suffering. It's a difficulty. It's a heartache. It's a brokenness that when you go through it, you're like, I can't believe you're allowing this to happen to me. You're like, I wanted to be like Jesus, but not like this. I'm like, can we, can we put the scissors away, please? It's painful because there are certain things in our lives. Hey, if we get very honest, there are certain things in our lives that we look to saving that are not the Savior. And they're the obvious ones, right? right? There's food, there's shopping, there's relationships. 
But there are other things that we look to in our lives that are not so obvious, that we look to save them. See, some of us look to our own good acts for our righteousness. You know what we call that? Person who looks to their own good acts for their righteousness? We call that person self-righteous. You might say, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I, you know what I do? I serve in this ministry. Oh, look, I'm a good person. I've come to this service. I'm a good person. I read my Bible. I'm a good person. I have X amount of clean time. Hey, at least I'm not what I used to be. I'm a good person because I'm better than I was, actively not acting in the ways that I used to be. And then Jesus comes at your beautifully shaped self-righteousness. And he takes out one of those big blades. Oh, how painful is that? How painful is it when others don't recognize the great sacrifice that you've made on behalf of God? It's painful, isn't it? That it's possible for me to be speaking up here and doing it to prop up my own righteousness. In other words, doing for Jesus that's really feeding my own ego. It's possible, look, it's possible for a team to be singing to Jesus to prop up their own idea of a savior themselves. Let me ask you something. You think it's possible to parent that way? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You think it's possible to sacrifice for someone that way? You bet it is. You think it's possible, because the, the reason that it's such a difficult thing for you to think about, because you think that righteousness exists with your hands. When what you do out here, if it's good, then everything is good. And God is talking about the motivation of your heart, which is why he's talking about being in the vine, abiding in the vine. God is saying, don't you get it? Motivations matter. And that it's possible for me to preach God's word under the motivation of self-centeredness. It's possible to have a team that sings as beautifully as what we just heard and do it for all the wrong reasons. It's possible to be faith. Listen, it's possible to be kind and loving for the purpose of letting others tell us that we're kind and loving. In other words, we're propping up our own righteousness. Beloved, it's a, it's a trap. So what does he do? Puts us under the knife. Your husband or your wife doesn't appreciate what you did. And it reveals. Oh, you weren't doing this to honor Jesus. You were doing this to get a good response from them. You little hypocrite. Isn't that good news? Don't you see? And we can do uh, illustration after illustration after illustration, but don't you see that your goodness, your righteousness is not worth anything? It's the righteousness that Christ gives, and he's really, listen, if you think that sin just lays in your hands, beloved, you haven't seen your heart. 
You have to check your heart. So if we're going to remain in Christ, the first thing we're going to have to be willing to do is we're going to have to be willing to go under the knife. Because every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So you could bear more real fruit. So that you could become more and more like Jesus. Okay, we spent a lot of time on that. Let's keep on moving. How can we grow in remaining in Jesus? Well, number one, we go under the knife. We see that in verse two. Number two, we live in his love. We live in his love. Would you write that down? Okay. Do you see verse nine? Verse nine says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So here's, here's why that's so important. The reason is the only way that you and I are going to be able to get through this life is if we start growing and living in his love. What that means is that I can, I can have people in my life who, okay, so, all right. Let me help some of you who are here. And, and you're, maybe you're like me. Okay, some of, some, of us are, some of us are experiencing painful circumstances within our relationships because we're not remaining in his love. Here's what I mean. Some of us are uber sensitive. You know what I mean by uber sensitive? Like really, really sensitive. Like anybody could say, you're... You're the kind of person that people, and it's so hard to see. This is so hard to see in the mirror. In fact, as I'm, as I'm going to describe this, you're going to be thinking about other people, and other people are going to be thinking about you. Because it's so hard to see in the mirror. It's so hard to see in the mirror. Nobody ever goes, you know what my problem is? My problem is, is I'm just too sensitive. I've never heard somebody say that. I'm hypersensitive. You know what happens? Here's what we do. Because all of our identity lies in how we're seen by others. When anybody threatens that in any way, oh my gosh, we either go into a depression or we go into an explosion. And so when we live in his love, what we recognize is that Jesus loves me, not because of anything that I've done, not because of my clean time, not because I'm a good husband, not because I'm a good parent. In fact, I'm pretty bad at all of that stuff, but here's what he loves. He loves me because of what he has done. He has grafted me to his vine. He's attached me to himself. He's taken responsibility for my soul. And by doing so, I can live in that love. So if you don't like this sermon, I go, oh my gosh, Jesus, do you still like pastors who give bad sermons? And he reminds me that he does. And I don't have to have your approval in order to have joy and love in my life. You can say hard things that quite frankly, any hard thing that you could say about me is probably true. And I can go, oh my gosh, I can look as God uses you to change my heart, as uses you you to prune my life as he uses you to do that. The reason is, is because I'm so deeply loved by Christ. Because I'm in his love so fully, I can walk and be as broken as I am because he loves me anyway. If you don't know what this looks like, all you have to do, amen, 
And so like, if you don't know what this looks like, here's, here's what I recommend you do. Have you ever been in a relationship that was like really, like you really uh, were committed to the relationship, like you really love the person and all that jazz, right? Like you, you know, think 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, right? You were in a relationship where you were really connected with someone and then they broke up with you. Oh, the heartache, the terrible heartache. And then anybody know what happened when you found the next person that you fell in love with? All of that heartache was gone. And the reason was is because you were in their love. You were in a new person's love, so the old love didn't have the attention, didn't hold the affection, didn't have the grip on your heart that the, because why? Because you had shifted to a new love. Listen, because we are shifted to a new love, and that new love is Christ's love, it's perfect love, it's undying love, it's, it's forgiving love, it's merciful love, it's the kind of love that pursues you when you're a stubborn, really rebellious person. It's the kind of love that doesn't let go even when you want to let go. It's the kind of love that runs after you even if you think you can run faster. It's the kind of love that never gives up, never stops loving, never stops pursuing, never stops, never, never, never stops. It's that kind of love, and because that love is true I could be a jerk to you guys meaning not that I can act like a jerk to you guys but you can find me a jerk and I can be open-minded to go help me help me with my jerkness right help me with my being not what I claim to be does this make sense because we're in his Love. What are we talking about? We're talking about remaining in Jesus. And if we're going to remain in Jesus, we're going to need to, what's the first one? We're going to need to go under the knife. Say it with me. We're going to need to go under the knife. Second thing we're going to have to do if we're going to remain in his love is we're going to have to, or remain in Jesus, we're going to have to live in his love. That means praying that in your heart. You know what? You got to beat that truth into your heart. Otherwise, you'll forget you'll get into deep depression. So that when Satan comes up and he goes, and you call yourself a pastor, and you call yourself a husband, and you call yourself a, a recovering addict, and you call yourself, whatever it is you call yourself, or the thing that you're building your identity on, whatever that is, when that comes under attack, you're like, yeah, I am broken in that area. And he loves me. He can't get enough of me. Thinks I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Like that's how he pursues. Beloved, are you single and wish you were married? Remain in his love and that even the loneliness of singleness is not singleness because you're with Christ and then Christ gives you a body of others that help with that because of his love. Are you married and it's a really difficult marriage situation? Remain in his love because even though you think you should be getting the love from your spouse that you think you should be getting, Christ gives love. And even though that's a heartache, you know that in the future you're going to have a new marriage, a perfect marriage with Christ as he becomes our husband and we become collectively his bride. Don't you see? We remain in his love and it gets us through every circumstance of life. Okay, so how do we remain in his love? We go under the knife. We live, on, uh, we live in his love. Thirdly, we keep his commands. Okay. I want to be able to say at this point that it's not us doing that makes our relationship with Jesus. 
you understand that this is all on the basis of him grafting us to himself. The only reason you can do this is because you're grafted to the vine. In other words, there's power, there's sap, right? If I, if I, um, uh, my son just recently did this. He, I, I don't know where he picked it from, but he got this like cute little, it was like, it's like this little thing like that, but it was like three roses. It looked like three roses. It could have been another plant because I don't know plants that well. But it looked like three roses to me. And he gave it to my wife. And it was very beautiful. And if we all got honest because he picked it, we would go, oh my gosh, that looks so beautiful. Being dead and all. <laughs> it's dead. There's, there's no, like whatever beauty is there, whatever beauty is there, it's a fleeting beauty, it's dead. But if it remained, it would have blossomed and grown into this lovely thing. It's only in the power of remaining in the vine. So it's not you doing anything, it's what he is doing in you. That's the point of the vine illustration, that he's doing this work. His sap, his power, his ability is flowing through you and you don't wanna stop that. So in that state of mind or in that, with that thought, it's you keep his commands. We keep his commands. Do you see that in verse 10? It says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So that's a strategy for remaining in his love, keeping his commands. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. You see, it's by keeping his commands. Now, we don't get the power to keep his commands on our own. We rather move up to the part where we live in his love and we reflect on him. That gives us power to keep his commands. Are, are, you, are you in a position where you have to lie or are you in a position where you have to um, or where you think you have to lie? Listen to me. Jesus was in a position where he was asked, if he was the Messiah. And telling a lie at that point would have been very advantageous for his life. But because he had you in mind. Because he had you in mind. And you could look at Jesus telling the truth, not at the risk of his job, not at the risk of his marriage, not at the risk of, but at the cost of his life. And him doing so for you, then you can in that live the truth in your life. Do you see that? You see, it's, we can keep his commands because Jesus kept it first. What is the thing that you have to obey that's more painful than a crucifixion? Because when we look at Jesus obeying the Father, remember what he says in the Garden of Gethsemane? He says, Father, if there's any way that this can, like, you know, if, if, there's, a, if there's a plan B, let's talk about it, right? Because this is going to hurt, all right? It's a very, very grave moment. It's a very terrifying moment. And this is, think about this, this is God the Son who knows all things and God the Father who knows all things. And he's going, this is going to suffer like crazy. This is going to be painful like mad. And Jesus obeys the Father for the sake of saving our souls. Beloved, if Jesus could obey the Father, which is why he could say, just as I've obeyed the Father, I want you to obey. Obey my words. And what are some of the words? Well, at least these two. Number one, stay under the knife. Don't leave when it hurts. When you're walking in Christ and you're experiencing suffering, stay under the knife. Don't run away. 
And number two, remain in his love. Recognize that he's going to do all these things in and through you by his power. Keep his commands. And then finally, gather with his people. Do you see that in verse 12? Look at verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, here's really something very powerful. It turns out that loving Jesus is never divorced from being together and learning to love one another. It's never divorced from. Now, here's the deal. We've gone through an unprecedented couple of years. In this unprecedented couple of years, what we decided to do, many of us decided to do, is we decided that gathering together, physically getting close, go ahead and touch the person uh, next to you and say, appropriately, and say, glad to be close to you. All right. All right. That's always dangerous in this place, but hey, you did a great job. All right. Listen to me. Listen to me. That touch that you just said, it's powerful. The church is not sitting in your pajamas watching a genius on a screen tell you about things about the Bible that you didn't know. Not even in this service is the whole point listening to the genius that comes on the stage. Notice that we have times of silence and times of confession and times of testimony. In this service and in every service, we have times of singing to Jesus together. And then we'll have times of, you know, we go through these doors into the fellowship hall and we'll eat together in, in a hope that we'll develop relationships with one another and become transparent with one another. You can't do that on a screen. And I wish I could just convince you of that, that your convenience is not the purpose of being in Christ. That rather, being in Christ means gathering with the believers, but you go, oh, but there's such a pain in the neck. Oh, but they're not. I know, I know, me too. Listen, I'm a pain in the neck. It's, it's, I, I get it, I get it. But can we be honest? You're a pain in the neck too. None of us are without that, right? Which is why Jesus has to over and over and over and over and over say, Edwin, love them. You get what I'm saying, right? Evelyn, love them. You're going to want to love them. They're just such a pain in the neck and they, you know, they grate on me and all that other stuff. Mira, love them. Love them. Love them because they're unlovely. Love them because it's difficult to love. Love them the way I love you now, even though you're so far from my will. Again, it's the power of Christ that comes in us, and I get to see your stickiness, and I get to see your difficulty, and I get to see your pain in the neckness, and I get to go, oh my gosh, Jesus, is that the way I look like to you? Is that how much of an inconvenience I am to you? And he goes, yeah, and far more. And then I go, but how do you respond to me? Here, here, listen, listen, listen. Love, love. I've loved you. That's the basis. Because I've loved you, let it overflow. Because I loved you, let it go. But it's a difficult situation. He doesn't want to change. Love them. Do you think I have issues and situations in my life that I don't want to change and Jesus loves? Yeah, he does. What about you? Yeah? Right? Maybe one or two of you, right? Yeah, sure. We all do. We all do. Love. Okay, beloved. That's it. All right. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen.
If we, as a community, now listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus says, remain in me. The number one way that we can remain is by committing to coming together. That's it. Just commit to come together. Don't miss this for laundry or a genius on a screen or we need each other. We need to be here together. We need to sing together and confess together. We need to be silent together and we need to testify together and we need to read scriptures together. We need to learn from God's word together. We need to do it together. We need to serve together. We need to pursue Jesus together. We need to be able to pull each other's coat. We need to do it together. So here's what I'm saying. If you want to remain in Christ, here's an easy way that you could start doing all of what we've just talked about. Would you just ask Jesus to say, hey, this is my church home. I'm going to stay. I know, I know, but do you know what, what so-and-so said about so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay because I need to grow together. If you do that, what will remaining in Jesus produce in your life? It's in verse 11. True, overflowing joy. Do you see that? Imagine that. The very thing you've been looking for your whole life is found in gathering with the believers, pursuing Jesus together, remaining in him. It's true, overflowing joy. And don't you want that? Every time somebody want, asks you, hey, what do you want in life? I just want to be happy. I just want to be joyful. I want to be at peace. Well, if you, you'll never find that isolated on your own. You'll only find that with Christ. Won't you just join us? Won't you be with us? Why don't we be together? in pursuing Jesus. Now, if you do that, it'll transform your life. I mean, like really, it'll transform your marriage, it'll transform, it'll transform the way you wake up tomorrow, it'll transform everything. And the reason it does is because Jesus gave you the power to do so. Gave you the power to do so in every area of life. In fact, he did it with his life. 